we're live. We are live. You got my, you got my video? You just told me you couldn't see my video. You got me still? Yeah, I can see. Okay, sweet. Been a couple of weeks since we've actually recorded. Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been a busy, good, you know, kind of a kind of a time period. And like you said, we've had a lot of stuff going on, and you know, uh, it's just going to happen. But we've stayed on track, and we've stayed an episode yeah. ahead, so it's worked out pretty good. I think it's yeah probably better for us to do that every once in a while too. Yeah, for sure. And this week also was the week that we dropped the training program mm-hmm. on the Instagram page. Yeah, thank you guys for that again. It was a yeah. really great response to that. Seriously, which is pretty cool because and I think what was what was really cool was the the sentiment of like it's back. Yeah, yeah. You know, like back. that was one of my favorite ones that I saw like a bunch of people repost because it was when you guys were doing it with T and posting a lot mm-hmm. of the training stuff, like that was obviously kind of what launched a lot of what the page was at the time because that was right when it was still in the first 12 to 18 months or whatever Mm -hmm. the page so it was kind of cool that was like people were pumped to see just workouts again yeah you know well that was kind of that was a really cool thing well you know from someone like myself that you know i had a pretty mass you know i amassed a pretty good following through powerlifting and you know that was really done you used to powerlift once once (laughs) Uh, but that was kind of done in all the ways that I would never encourage anyone to do. Um, yeah. it was, a, it was kind of a desperation. Uh, I was, and it was a different time. Yeah. Too. It was just like, it was the wild West time in social sure. media in it, general. It was the wild West for sure. And yeah, uh, time and place too. Like I said, I was one of the only guys talking, so I became a reference mm-hmm. point just by sure. default. But when I, and one of my conversations with Casey prior to actually launching the Instagram page was like. I just want this to be a page that truly helps people. It's yes, it will be me. Yes, it will be Casey. Yes, it'll be whatever the dynamic looks like in the future, but I don't want it to be about me. And that's, that's a weird tightrope to walk, but man, Mm -hmm. the, the coolest thing, I guess I I took away from it and really kind of doubled down on the sentiment when you said it's back is there's been a lot of people that have messaged in the absence of it, like, man, I hope you bring that back. I hope you do that. And sometimes, you know, in the midst of my own, what I would call writer's block, you know, I talked to you about it privately, um, just the inability to figure out what to do with this thing, because I thought it was special. I will always carry it as a legacy in part, uh, to a voice that can't be spoken in the name of Terrence, you know, like he can't speak for himself and I won't try to, monetize or or utilize his name any more than a respect way. Um, I just want to show people that part of my change was through him. And, you know, really those things are the, are the, they're the Genesis and they're still the the foundation of what I want the page to be today. Like, yeah, it would be awesome to get some really cool, to get to work with some really cool companies to meet some really great people. It would be awesome to be able to figure out a way to monetize it. That is beneficial to the person that's, receiving whatever they're paying for and we're feeling good about whatever we're selling. You know, those are things that I strive for. I, I don't necessarily need more money. I don't necessarily want for more money, but if there's a transaction that makes sense, um, that's, that's been a flaw of mine in the past is I've, I've always sought to help even to my own detriment. And that sounds maybe a bit turn of the coin there, no pun intended, but you know, I, I realize now when, when some of these companies talk to me about having me out for an event, like, okay, this, this does have value beyond 
what I even recognize. So it won't like yeah. the mass of the information for me is always going to be free, but I yeah. think specialized information or, or things like that are good opportunities for me to utilize the education of, of life, you know, the things that yeah, I've done, the experiences sure. I've had, and then your contribution, you know, as a coach, as, as a guy that leads other men and somebody that I, I guess to explain to people that might wonder like why Ross to me, one, you've been somebody that I watched for a couple of years, actually through peace, love and meat and just saw that you were doing a good job. It looked like you had fundamentals that were in line with mine. You know, you have good core beliefs. You're, good guy been honest with me straight with me um once we met at winter strong that was just like okay this guy is exactly who he says he is and and to me that is the most important thing in all areas of my life is trying to find a way to surround myself with people that i know i can trust that i know are not around me to take from me but they're here to help you know they're here to lay a brick and that's that's the same way i look at it too and um so I appreciate that. I've had that question asked a couple of times, you know, how did you and Ross meet? How does he end up on, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. on this? So, you know, it's, it's nothing romantic or fancy or, you know, any big, long drawn out story other than I started watching you a couple of years ago. Uh, I really liked what you were doing. I saw the results that the guys, you know, that, that worked with you got some of them followed mm-hmm. me, connected with me, talked to them. They spoke highly of you. And that's happened over and over and over. So a, a series of yeah. doors had to open and close for us to end up here but yeah. you know, there, there are a lot of great people out there, but it just worked out that this, this was the best path for me. And uh, yeah. it worked out to be a great path for you too. I hope so. Yeah, for sure. And we can probably make up a way better story, I guess. Than well, there just probably like... is a better story than that. But that's like... <laughs> I mean, it was literally just like DMs one day. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even remember what it was that started the conversation. It was, I mean, I don't know. It was like three or four years ago now, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we could probably come up with something pretty funny. That would be a lot. A lot. Yeah, we need to write some. If good, you want to take people stories. on a ride of a story, yeah, you know, just a spinning yarns. <laughs> well, you got something. Uh, you got a show that's burning your uh, burning your so good, burning dude. your ears. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, have you seen? It's called The Bear. No. Have you haven't even heard of it? Never even heard of it. Okay, so it's an FX show, All right. and I've been watching on. I think it's just streaming on Hulu because that's where most of FX stuff is mm-hmm. now. Um, but it's a show about a chef. And so it's like right up your alley. Okay. And, uh, it's about this chef who's a fine dining chef. And then his brother who owns this like sandwich shop in the middle of Chicago, like real rundown sandwich shop, the brother, uh, kills himself and leaves the restaurant to his fine dining chef brother. Okay. I have number one. I, Dude, I did not hear much about it, but I heard that there was a it was like new chef show. They just came out the sec the second season, the whole second season just came out literally like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be a while before the third because they're still in the middle of the writer strike and everything right now. So nobody's yeah. even working on anything. But seriously, it's one of the best written shows I've ever watched. Like the way that they craft dialogue and and weave in like real real stuff and all these people it's it's so good and the one thing that's really cool that i've seen that i follow a handful of like actual high level chefs and and guys that are really good and you mm-hmm. know celebrity chefs and all that kind of stuff on instagram they say it's like the best representation of what 
kitchen life is actually like than any show or movie that's ever been made. Yeah. Like, and they'll watch it and they'll be like, I know every single one of these people in this show. Cause I've worked with them. Like the, I can tell you somebody yeah. in this show is exactly like who I've worked with and it's awesome. So like the actual food parts of it are, are amazing. Cause they really do a good job of showcasing like the actual cooking parts. And that's like a, obviously it's a show about a chef, Yeah, but a lot of times that stuff can get lost in like the drama of everything around. And then you're like, okay, this is a show about a chef. Where's all the cooking, Mm -hmm. you know, but they do awesome jobs of showing like all the cooking and like really making the food a focus too. And it's just, yeah, it's just super well done. And the writing on it with the characters is awesome. And I think I have my maybe, and, and so they do these flashbacks and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll just tell you who one of the characters is, but his brother who ends up killing himself they do flashbacks mm-hmm. every few episodes to show him and his brother's john barenthal oh, okay perfect and so yeah and so as soon as i saw him it's like i don't know middle of the first season when they do the first flashback i'm like oh i'm in yeah. okay yep i'm sold i'm sold now so yeah it's it's a killer show but they have a uh and the soundtrack is awesome they do like awesome music of a lot of artists and bands that are tied to chicago uh, that they yeah. put in put into the show so there's lots of blues there's like some pearl jam which you know pearl jam wasn't but eddie vetter was chicago yeah from chicago and so they do a lot of that kind of stuff and yeah it's just you're, it's going to be right up your alley if you watch it so man that's awesome i i love chicago um really one of my favorite cities you know and i was talking to a guy uh, the other day about chicago and just uh some of the restaurants there and some of the bars but Man, you know me. I'm a, I'm a dive mm-hmm. bar guy. I'm somebody that wants mm-hmm. to go way off the beaten path. And I was in the wrong side of town way too late. And I found this jazz bar. I'll, I'll look it up here eventually. But mm-hmm. um, it was just a blues jazz place. And I walked in. I'm the only white guy there. I'm wearing a pair of uh, just like tan tactical pants, gray T-shirt, hat probably similar to what I'm wearing right now. And this is four, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. walk in there and these are people like in uh in like zoot suits and just real fine yes. dressed um just a really diverse crowd outside of white people i mean i saw right. dominicans i saw cubans i saw puerto ricans i saw african americans um i think i even saw a couple asians so it was like you know everybody was getting down uh in there and it was like i was totally out of place Mm-hmm. But I ended up having just a really cool night because everybody was friendly. Everybody was like 60 something years old, you know, but it was, it was yep. just a cool spot. But that was on the heels awesome. of having some Lou Malnati's and uh, catching a Cubs game that day. So it nice. was, that was a pretty full day right there. Uh, That's awesome. And also went and sat on the steps of uh, Al Capone's front porch and smoked a joint. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Somebody still <laughs> lives there. So I was glad it was like three thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> they did a, uh, um, What's cool is in the show, like the first season, uh, the first season really like hit mm-hmm. and it took off and it kind of created this kind of like cult following around it yeah. immediately. Right. And so then for the second season is when they got all the people, all the famous people who wanted to be in the show, yeah. like to come in and do cameos. But then they actually have a couple episodes where they bring in actual like big time chefs to make little cameos as themselves. Mm helping out in the thing which is pretty cool what do you think it is oh i'm sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say there's one episode in particular that like in the second season uh where the whole thing is a flashback to several years ago Mm -hmm. and it's a family episode at christmas and it's like double the length of any of the other ones and 
it it honestly I'd put it up there I'd put it up there with the Ozymandias episode of Breaking Bad okay and like maybe a couple others as maybe one of the best episodes I've ever seen of a television show yeah from the writing and what they did in an hour and it's the most like stressful anxiety ridden like experience of watching a show ever because it's all just like these giant loud Chicago families. And there's like, there's written in, there's like all these mental health issues with family members. And so it's like real and heavy, but it's funny. And it's like, Oh my gosh, it was a, you couldn't even watch it and just not be anxious the entire time. Yeah. So it's one of those where it's like, this is awesome. Well, I know and, that you know, yeah. from loving to cook, it's always like, even if you were, making something that you have made a thousand times and it is mm-hmm. for people that you know will love and eat your food, whether it's garbage or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a stressful thing because everything is timing. Everything is heat. And that's yep. one of, that's one of the things I love about it because, you know, I, I've never really broken it down as a competition, but it is somewhat of like a performance based art. Yeah. You know, you really have to be yeah. on your toes with it. I was curious, you know, to, to kind of stay on the topic of that show what do you think it is about like, how is there a food network? Like how are, how are there so many shows and that's almost a game show network anymore, but it like, pretty much is, but yeah. like that's what I was gonna there's, say. there's still been a fascination from Julia child up through, up through now, you know, like there's multiple Guy network, dude. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's just, a, it's a strange thing to me. And I think it just must tap into the same, same area of the brain, not necessarily like same. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those moments. Um, it taps into some of the root uh, of feeling because it is so yeah. foundational to the human experience, but fire and, and food for nourishment, mm-hmm. the same kind of things of like, I don't know. Well, who knows what I was going to say, but I, I kind of lost it mid sentence there, but I just think it's interesting that, you can build an entire industry around that, around cooking food, literally. And yeah, well, and, you think and not even around ever... experiencing the food that is being cooked, like yeah. just watching, yeah. <laughs> observing. I mean, do you ever think that, what is the ratio you probably, I don't even know, what, that you would guess that people that actually watch those shows ever even attempt to cook anything that they see? Dude, I'll tell you right now in our house, it's like minimal. That's what I was like. We actually, that's like a joke in our house is like with how much we watch these shows, you would think just through osmosis alone, we would pick up some of these techniques. And like we do try, like the one that I really liked uh, wasn't even a Food Network show, but it was the the cooking show that they did after the movie Chef Mm, with John Favreau and Roy Choi. Mm. That's one of my favorite like food based movies ever. They did an awesome job with that. But then they did the chef show where John and Roy Choi went around and like cooked in all these other famous kitchens around yeah. and then cooked in John's like crazy home kitchen. Cause he actually went through like all the culinary training prior to that movie with Roy. Yeah. So he went and build out, built out this entire like industrial grade kitchen in his house. And that's where they filmed like half the episodes. And so they would do, uh, they did a whole episode that was just the recipes from the movie. Yeah. Of that show. And there's like two or three of them that I've made like a dozen times since just because they're awesome. And I loved them in that show. So there's like a there's a there's a pasta dish in there that's like right at the front of the movie. And it's not even like a big part of the movie. It's just was awesome little scene. Mm-hmm. And he makes it in his house 
and it looked awesome. And then they do it in the in the chef show. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I made it like maybe a dozen times since. And it's awesome. So there's a few of those where it's like if the recipe itself, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I could pull that off. I could try it at least, you know. Yeah. So there's some of those. But I would I would say 90 percent at the at. And that's probably even too low. Yeah of a number would be like, no people even attempt any of this stuff. <laughs> you know? I think that's probably why they watch it is because they're like, it's the same thing. Why people watch I, I'm any like, well, I was going to say porn, you know, it's like, that's probably why people watch porn. It's the same, you know, sensory system. You're getting something without moving your ass off the couch. You know what I mean? Well, and I'm thinking even just the, the aspect of watching something of people that are amazing at something. Yeah. Well, that's true too. Yeah. It, like you're like there's that there's that sense of these people are the best in the world at this mm-hmm. and that's just impressive i want to watch that and a lot of the ones like the game showy ones have just like you know regular people coming on shows to try to compete with regular like real chefs but like the ones that i like are like the high level chefs competing against each other like i can't i remember i texted you um a picture several months back and i had made like this uh i made like this steak dish and all that kind of stuff and it had some other things in it and it was literally just because that night i'd watched like three episodes of tournament of champions yeah. on yeah <laughs> and i'm like and i told you that i'm like i've been watching too much tournament of champions and i had to come in here and try a steak yeah so there's stuff like that where i like watching it's like why people love sports yeah you know it's like these are the best athletes on the planet like that's i just want to watch that you know and so i I think that's how i am at least with a lot of the food stuff i like watching the guys who are the absolute best because it's so cool to me so have you watched uh hero dreams of sushi man i probably haven't watched the entire thing but i've started it and come into the middle of it probably three or four times in the last decade yeah so i've I've probably watched all of it it's like when you put it all together but i don't think i've sat down and watched beginning to end that's an interesting one because you know I think about it in terms of, of my life. There are times where that movie would have bored me to sleep, and that may yeah. be of where you've been because you're a little bit younger than me. But then through my injury, that's actually where I gained a lot of appreciation mm. for that because it was just, you know, I was only committed to being as strong as I could. I wasn't dedicated to the craft of strength, the understanding strength. And that movie, like, really reshaped that, well, if you can't do this anymore at a competitive level, you can still – in you know, build this entire life hmm. through yeah. this, this passion. So that was a cool, that's, I mean, it's just, it's hard to explain how good and detailed it is. Just the simplicity of repetition for success and mastery. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. But have you ever watched the, uh, the cooking show? Uh, Fuck that's delicious. It's action Bronson. Have you ever watched that? No. Is that on Netflix? I think that no, I, it, it might've been on for a minute, but it's on uh it was on vice. And then I think it got oh. shuffled around. But it's it's crazy because he is actually a trained okay, chef. I've heard of it then. He's he's a yes. trained chef. But, you know, it's a perfect blend of like ridiculousness on MTV where they're just acting fools and eating stoner food. And then it's yeah. like he'll have a chef on or he'll have a friend on that just makes something incredible, high level. Mm. But it's just a funny show because it's, you know, it's a weird group of people anyway, and they've all got unique mm-hmm. views on things, visions on things. And then it's like, they're stoned to death all the time. So they're just <laughs> eating these amazing meals and trying different things, but they go around too to like, they'll go to different shops or they'll go to different restaurants and try things and talk to the owner, the chef or whatever. It's just kind of cool. So I want to stay on this, on this food theme. Okay. So I have a couple of questions and thoughts that have popped into my head in the last few minutes. So do you have a, I'll, I'll, I'll do this one first. Do you have a restaurant or like chef 
that is your if if you had to save up and you know or or money was no issue it's like which is the one that you would go to first like you're the, you want to eat his food or her food like the most um I would just say uh, I'm going to give the clear. Or a specific restaurant even, maybe not Noma even a specific chef. in Copenhagen Noma. with uh, Rene yep. Redzepi. That would be just yep. because he revolutionized. That's in the bear the, a lot. Yeah, I mean, he, he revolutionized yep. <laughs> fine dining to a level yep. that's almost, I mean, it's it's unmatched really. Yeah. In the States, I would go to Alenia in Chicago, Grant Alts. Uh, really a pioneer in a lot of the gastronomy, a lot of the... Yeah, he does the crazy he, exploding things. And, and he does a lot of trickery, and, too. Uh, one of my yeah. favorite things he ever did was he paired... It was a it was a light dessert dish, and he had made some candied tomatoes and uh, macerated strawberries. But the trick that he did is he blended them up, and uh, he actually made the strawberry look like the tomato, and the tomato mm. look like the strawberry... And that was during their Alice in Wonderland theme. They had a theme that that season where you walked in and it was red velvet down the walls. And there was a big gold chandelier and a huge chair where the Mad Hatter would sit kind of thing. And it not, mm-hmm. not done in a tacky way. I mean, this is, you're right. talking $400 a plate kind of experience, 24, 24 courses, um, yeah. wine, you know, champagne. So this whole experience is like, laid out in front of you in a, in a masterful kind of way. And then you turn into blackness and you're guided blind into the dining room. And then from there it's smoke and mirrors the whole time. It's just (laughs) everything unfolds before you through these courses. And the story of Alice in Wonderland is told through the plate and just a really unique guy with a crazy story where he lost, uh, he had some cancer of the mouth, lost his sense of taste for a long time. So he was like, the thing that made me creative before was taken away. So I had to figure it's Beethoven, out. Beethoven, dude. Oh, for sure. It's like I had to figure <laughs> out how to make food creative without tasting it. So I had to taste it with my eyes. I had to taste it with my nose. I had to taste it with the way that it felt when I was in the room with it. You know, I could hear it sizzling on the plate, all that kind of stuff. Like that's cool. I get goosebumps because it's not the food. It's like the um, it is the dedication to something at that. It's like watching Alan, Alex Honnold on Free Solo. It's the same yeah. thing that I get, man. It's like, even when I said his name, I get yeah. like that charge feeling because that is just, that is the forefront of human. You know what I mean? Yep. The, the one that's in the bear, cause I, th- I think it's in Chicago also is, I think it's Ever, mm-hmm. the, the restaurant Ever yep. or ever. And that's, they do a really good, ep- like whole episode basically going through the whole back of the house like that's where they are the back of the house the entire time in that of that restaurant mm-hmm. through that episode. And so it's awesome to see like how those places like that, like those ultimate fine dining, crazy places operate and how militaristic they are and like the level of communication. It's just, it's just the craziest thing. Like you would have no idea 90% of the stuff that goes on, even if you're in there, like having a meal, you know, the mm-hmm. stuff that goes on behind the scenes or even between the guys that are like the runners that are gathering information and just listening to try and pick up clues on the guests so they can provide even better service. And, you know, it's just like the the coolest concept that I'd never even known existed mm-hmm. until like you see a lot of it in action, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what you, I would say. What you say what you, who's yours and where's your restaurant? Yeah. There is, I was on this, like, 
I probably always will be. I think I would always try to chase like the best burger ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I would, cause there's, a, there's a few that are, are places that specialize in that kind of thing. And usually they're not obviously fine dining places, you know, yeah. uh, which that would be a cool, that would be cool for the experience going to one of those places like Noma or those other like or French laundry or those kind of places, yeah, you know, been there. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was taken uh, out there and, uh, it was at a Rolls Royce event. I got to go out there. I was at uh, Pebble beach and Rolls Royce event. I mean like this was, a, that's a lot of, <laughs> it was like, how the hell am I here? You pick up all those names. You're just, dropping. hold on. I, this is, this is, I, I know I interrupt you a lot, but this one is worth it. So, <laughs> I roll up to this Rolls Royce event, okay? This is the Tour de Elegance, the biggest car show auction at Pebble Beach, right? Plan is go there, hit hit uh, wine country, and hit French Laundry. I mean, these are these are some deep, deep, deep pocketed people that I'm with. So I'm talking to the nines, tuxedos, champagne at this event. You know, women with every single plastic surgery you can imagine. This is this is California Rolls Royce, right? My luggage gets lost. At the time, I couldn't afford to rent a tuxedo, let alone own a tuxedo. So I had on a I had a pair of like dress pants and a nice shirt and a tie. Like I'm gonna fake it till I make it, right? Literally my luggage gets lost. The only thing I have is an Ohio State football t shirt <laughs> and a fucking kilt. <laughs> I swear to God, there's a picture of me. I'll find it. It's on my Facebook. There's a picture of me getting out of a uh, brand new Wraith. It's also is this like peak size for oh, you? I'm, also, I'm three twenty all day, <laughs> three twenty all day. And people were looking at me like I was an alien. I mean, I felt like I've never been so, oh, never been goodness. so money shamed in my life. Like. They didn't know if I was the help, the gardener, or just some homeless guy that just rolled in. But yeah, I'll have to send you that picture so we can post it. But man, (laughs) it's hilarious. But yeah, but then right after that, leave the event, go to the Tour de Elegance, 18th hole, or uh, I think it was 18th, 16th, whatever. I can't remember. Not important. Mm -hmm. Arnold comes up on a freaking boat with Garrett Moeller. Remember the six foot seven bodybuilder? They come out. I had met Arnold a few times through the Arnold and he sure. said, looks like you've been playing checkers <laughs> like <laughs> what <laughs> out of nowhere. And he, uh, he offers me a cigar that uh, I didn't take. But, um, anyway, that, what? I, well, here's the thing. It was the one he'd already been smoking. So it's probably worth more, but it was like, I just time and place. I was, Dude, pit- I'm standing there. In, I'm still standing there in my <laughs> Ohio state shirt. no, <laughs> They wouldn't let me on in the Ohio State shirt. They gave me a safari shirt. So I'm wearing like an African safari shirt. I've got a fucking Pebble Beach cowboy hat on and a kilt hugging Arnold and Garrett Moeller on the green at Pebble Beach. What is my life, bro? You want to talk about cigars? So you want to talk about cigars? That is so many things in that story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was good. Dude. Getting literally the cigar that Arnold had in his mouth is a superhero origin story. That's how you get superpowers. It seemed seemed pretty (laughs) off at the time. I don't know what I was thinking. I was, I was actually like 
in my mind, I was thinking, Arnold has done some amazing shit, and he's going to remember this homeless bum trying to hug him at Pebble Beach. <laughs> like, that's going to be one of the standout stories he tells. Listen to this yeah, guy. Yeah, but then you're the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, that he doesn't know. He's like, there's right. some asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was great. Worth the interruption. Sorry, man. So back to the show. <laughs> no, seriously. I don't even remember what I was talking about. You were about talking now. about the restaurant. I'm totally derailed. The, the restaurant that you'd go to. You'd t- oh, yeah. I don't know if I have a specific restaurant. It would just be wherever I could find the best burger yeah. ever. Like, I, I know there's a few that kind of claim that, and there's been a, sh- a few that I've seen on some of the shows uh, that I watch, but that would be that would be what I would what I would try to find. Yeah. I think. Like, I would travel to try and do that. Um, and then the other one that I was going to ask was what is, so I got to think of how to word this essentially for you cooking. Mm-hmm. I know you have things that you like to make mm-hmm. that are kind of like your staples or your go-tos or whatever, but I want to kind of ask the, the reason why cooking specifically is, is so important to you and makes like such a difference for you because we've talked a lot about how just the act of being really good and making one like really good meal can be life-changing right in a sense right but then being also be able to do that and present that to somebody else is a whole other level of cool you know so like where did a lot of that stem from for you and as far as why you like to cook and and take that part up so seriously well i think you know the first part of that is um my dad always liked he always liked to cook steaks and burgers and things like that so i kind of saw the grill side of things from him my mom's mom southern country chef you know what i mean like biscuits and gravy fried potatoes fried apples, eggs, bacon for breakfast, sausage, whatever. So I I always saw people cooking. And beyond that, uh, my mom's mom and her husband, my papa, they owned several restaurants and gas stations. That that was their businesses. They own what they called the pancake house. And then that was basically, I want to say 630 to like 230 kind of deal. And then about a mile and a half away, they owned a place called the dinner bell. And that was more like a, an 11 a.m. to, you know, 6, 7, 8 p.m. kind of place. Right smack in the middle was my papa's gas station. So I was always bouncing around, you know, between those restaurants and filling pepper shakers and salt shakers and doing that kind of thing. So I was always around the restaurant industry. And they ended up owning a couple other restaurants after that as well. And uh, ended up having some trouble with the business partner. So they didn't, they didn't get their fair shake in the end, but they owned a lot of businesses over the years. That being one, my dad cooked on the grill, but my dad's mom and her, her, um, her husband, my dad's stepdad, they were gardeners and they, they were actually, they won, uh, Lexington's garden of the year, master gardeners of the year, a couple times, multiple times. And, uh, so what I didn't know my entire life, my entire existence of eating every meal at their house. They made bread. They made everything in-house, um, pasta, whatever. Every single thing they made was vegetarian. Every single meal I had ever eaten at their house, from lasagna to chili to everything was vegetarian, and it was delicious. And it was never lacking for what I thought I needed to be eating. You know, And, and 
that didn't influence me to go vegan or anything like that. But it showed me that with really good technique and just like appeasing yourself, like how do I want this to taste? You can make some really, really awesome food. And then throughout college, like just figuring out, man, I don't want to eat ramen and chicken thighs my whole life. So just, you know, having a little extra money in my pocket to get some beef and started doing a lot of pasta dishes like beef bolognese was a big one in college, spaghetti, lasagnas, all of those things I still make really, really well. Um, and they're, they're favorites of mine to make, but I just don't eat them as much. You know, I, I enjoy them here and there, but really I got into cooking with the fire, cooking with the grill. I had been doing that really probably since I got out of college, you know, get a house, get a grill, you start learning to cook that way and not very good, but through hunting, I got back into some of the, the videos around cooking game and things like that. And I found Rogan and John Dudley talking about reverse searing. And then that they talked about having a Traeger and all that kind of stuff. So the natural progression was I was already interested in it. I was already doing it many, many ways. I was creative all the time in the kitchen. It just wasn't high skill. It was what I would call like stony cooking. Like um, I just cooked purely for enjoyment and flavor. Like if I'm going to make lasagna, I want to make it taste unbelievable. If it's yeah. I, calories be damned kind of thing. Yeah. So as I started trying to get a little more health conscious and uh, got back into hunting, you know, that was a real understanding for me that game is not like beef. You can't really save it once it's too far gone as far as texture, as far as flavor. So I needed to be a little bit more refined in that. And that just prompted me to start learning about the temperatures and reverse sear and how you rest your meat and all these other things. Well, anybody that has ever observed me for any amount of time knows that once I start down a, a pathway, it is the rabbit hole to the nth degree. And that's what it has been for me really. But it's, it's been a slow burn because I've gotten a lot more patient at like, I want to get really good at fixing this one thing before I move around and try other new things. Whereas there was a time where I just wanted to try everything. And yeah. I think both have, you know, merit, but that would be it. Um, I've just always, you know, now that I think about it, I should never, ever complain about anything food related in my life because I have always been surrounded by people that could throw down in a kitchen, you know, whether it's home cooked meals or something as, as refined as growing your own garden and, and high level vegetarian food in the eighties, you know, um, before it was even a thing. So it was just, I don't know. I, I really, I probably took a lot more from that than I, than I even realized I did as an inspiration for it. What about you? You there? Oh, you got me now. Yeah, I got you. Sorry. There we go. Had it muted. Sorry. Uh, I had it from a similar perspective, but not where I was in the restaurant industry, but where I had a mom and a grandma that cooked everything all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know how we, I think, I don't remember if we've talked about it, but you know how you have like smells and scents that are the memory? For sure. You know? I have one that's stronger and, than anything. Yeah. And I have one that is, I, that I, I mean, it's crazy how just I'm instantly transported. Like we talk about it with music and stuff when you yeah. listen to it, but smells are just the exact same way, maybe even stronger. Right. And I had, you know, I had a five foot two Italian grandmother who like 
was you, you walk in her house at any point of any day ever and it just smells like spaghetti sauce. Yeah. Because it was her giant spaghetti sauce recipe that she made and had it going all the time for everything. And like, I just have that smell seared into my brain. And then my mom makes it. And that's what she does for like Christmas gifts for people is she'll make giant things and then jar it and give it away at Christmas every year for, for gifts. Like that's what she does for friends two. and stuff. I, if, <laughs> dude, I'll ship them. Honestly, <laughs> I'll tell her and she'll make them. I'll take uh, two. And so I've, I've tried to make it a few times, uh, and it was, it was all right. I haven't tried it enough for that specifically. Um, my sister does it really well. Yeah. Uh, she, she kind of took that on and like, cause it's, you know, it's like a handed down thing. Like there's the actual recipe card. And then my grandma had another one. Um, and I can't, it was a, it was a dip that she made or if it was something else that she had made that she had the actual recipe card of. And for Christmas one year, my uncle had it made into like this big picture plaque thing that now hangs in my mom's kitchen. Mm -hmm. So it's like, now it's on the wall like that. It's a picture of the recipe card and there's like food around it and stuff. And they did a pretty cool, pretty cool job of it. So like there was that part of it where the, the cooking that I was always around was you're cooking for 20 people all the time. You know, and so like it's similar, I guess, in the restaurant where it's like you're looking at a machine operating, trying to crank out stuff for customers. But like when we would do stuff, my when we would go over to my grandma's house, it was because we were at a family event and there was 25 people there all the time. Right. And so she's making her spaghetti because that's you can mass make that. Right. And then like as I was growing up when I was in high school, we would do uh, during the football season in high school every Monday for four years during football season after practice on Monday nights, we'd have anywhere from 12 to 20 guys come over to my house to watch Monday night football. And my mom would make dinner for everybody. That's badass. And so, and like every Monday for f- literally all four years of high school, we would do this. And it was, you know, you never knew how many people were going to show up. Some days there's only three, some days there's 18 guys yeah. that show up. And so she would be making stuff like she would get, make stuff all day long to get ready for Monday nights. And so like, that was always the, what I love, what I love about cooking is like when I know there's going to be a ton of people Yeah, and it's like, how, like what, what would be awesome to make a bunch of that is going to be good and like approach it from the kind of the hospitality standpoint of it, you know? So yeah. I like that because I like the things that I make for myself mm-hmm. and Molly and I eat differently enough because there's some things that she doesn't eat or like can't eat yeah. and stuff. So we end up eating not super similarly a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the, the things that I make, I make for myself and, and Riggins. And so we kind of eat one way and then Molly and, and the baby eat another way right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stuff that I like to kind of experiment with is the stuff that I make for myself Sure, and like kind of get like with the steaks and that kind of stuff. But I love doing stuff for like huge amounts of people. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I, um, Probably one of the, I don't know if it's most important, but like just a, a sense of pride that I feel is when you cook in a camp, there's a feeling, um, you know, especially like a hunt camp. If you, if you kill something and you're bringing your animal to that grill and you're feeding people with it, that is like a really, really, that's a really cool feeling. And then also when somebody that will come to you and be like, man, I I had this happen at a, at a camp. And everybody was like, man, we just fry them. We just fry the tenderloins and we just do that, you know, 
typical Southern whitetail dinner. Fantastic. Love it. Have eaten it a thousand times, but it's not what I perceive to be the best enrichment of that meat. Very, very good. I love it. I will never lose the traditional love for it. But if you really want to make that meat what it can be, you do this. I had a guy come to me and he was like, I really want to try that, but I'm afraid I'll mess it up. So we were in camp and I said, well, why don't you give some meat? I'll give some meat for mine. We got another guy that killed one and we'll just do like, we'll just sit here and we can all cook it together. And man, you just learn when you're standing around a fire or you're standing over a grill, everybody's got a beer, you know, there's chairs around, somebody sits down, somebody's smoking a cigarette. Guys in general, what I have seen, man, that is a pressure release valve like nothing else. Um, they just get around other men. Struggles are different. Problems are different, but they're the same, you know, and I think it's just to, to have those moments, to take that time where you're not just rushing into a place, sitting down, everybody looks at the menu, nobody's talking, you get your food, you shove, you stub your face and you leave, you know, this becomes a two, three. And if it's, if it's dinner, two or three hour deal from prep to cook to clean up now becomes, Hey, let's go have a bourbon and sit by the fire until, you know, sun comes up or whatever. It's kind of, have you seen the Matthew McConaughey meme? I think I said, Oh you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could say dinner's at seven. Yeah. Yeah. Really meat will be ready about 11. Yeah. That's the way it goes. <laughs> but now, yeah. but those are the best nights. Cause I, I'll never forget that particular night. It was like, we had guys that the sun went down a little after six. So, you know, their ride back to camp was 30 minutes. We had guys, three guys that killed. So all those guides are going out. They're dragging deer. Guys are getting in late. So you had seven o'clock dinner which was like salad and chicken and some garlic bread or something. And then you had like 1045 dinner, which was some deer meat, some chicken thighs, some salad, some potatoes, you know, it just scales up. And it's like those guys, everybody has a bad day in the field and everybody has a lucky day in the field. But man, the, the process of being in that camp and just learning about a group of strangers and nobody ever had an ill word or a difference. I think one of the, the ties that binds there is the food. I mean, the hunt automatically, but the, the food, the conversations that are had around that are just, those can't be replaced. Oh, my, my, my mic muted again. Uh, yeah, I would, and I think that's kind of the point of That's of the point, Brandon. Meals. That's the point of sharing <laughs> meals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but that's the way it was always it, done. That's exactly what I was going to say. Thank you yeah. for interrupting me. Yeah. <laughs> We're just on the same page today. Yeah. That's all. Uh, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to take a pause on this real quick. I got to fix something on the, on my mic. Okay. It's nope. starting to short out. So we'll pause real quick. Yep. All right. We're back. All right. I had some mic issues and had to abandon one, but. We could still make it happen. Yeah. So the other uh, one of the other questions that I wanted to ask was around your personal favorite thing to cook. Hmm. So it's kind of a two parter. Like I know you've got your ones that you that you like a lot, but what's if if you only got to choose one meal to make for somebody that would be like this is as best as I can do it. What would it be right now? And then part two of that is is there something you want to be able to cook that you're like working on. Yeah. I think 
like high level fish stuff has always been an interest to me. Mm. It's such a delicate, like, and I'm yep. talking like fish work on a fire, like, um, flow Kamamura, that kind of stuff that she did at winter strong with Danny and Neil. That was just yep. so impressive to me. And they didn't do, they didn't do that stuff there, but their style of cooking that open fire yep. steak and uh, fork kind of thing. It, I just think it's really, really cool. The way that that looks, um, the organicness of it, uh, something I really kind of have an interest in doing that I haven't even done before, but I've had it served to me twice is steak cooked on a stone. And, uh, you get the steak or you get the stone pretty damn hot. And then you cook the steak on there and it's served, um, kind of sizzling as you go. And it's served in two ounce portions. So it's, it's kind of like a Korean barbecue style or approach. You kind of have some ingredients and sauces laid around. And what happens is, is those caramelize on the top of the stone as you cook. So every two ounce flavor cool. gets a little bit deeper and a little more intense. And that's the point of it is what, it, whether it's life or food, the last bite or the last bit should be the best, you know? And I always thought that was such a cool concept when they present it to you that way. Cause the, mm-hmm. the flavors just kind of marry on that stone. And then every single time you lay that piece down, it's got more oomph to it, you know? Um, what heats up the stone? I mean, like, how are you? How is it sitting? Is it literally in a bed of coals or something, and you just so sit on top of the stone? That's there's two ways to do this. One is exactly what you're talking about. There's a sub level heating system, like coals, mm-hmm. propane, whatever, mm-hmm. and the stone is basically uh, partially submerged in a, a vat that would give you the gas or something sure. that would generate heat through the bottom. The other way. Uh, is to just heat the stone to an extreme temperature via starting a fire and and having kind of a teepee uh, of either wood or coals and then just stacking your stones around the base. And basically that insulates the fire, which will keep the fire going. Mm -hmm. But what it's going to do is it's going to heat through that rock. So you want to pretty much burn down an apex set of wood maybe once, if not more, and get those stones just insanely hot. Screaming. And then the cool thing you can do with that is you just have a big stick and you've got five or six stones laid up against the teepee like that. And then you just pull them back down and then you, you can literally sit by the fire and lay your meat on there and two, mm. two ounce servings or whatever. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one thing that's just, it's very delicate again, just like the fish. And that's where I'm going with it. Cause like with a steak, even on open fire, I'm pretty good. Like I know, I know my textures. I know the times I know what to look for with something like fish and even some of the chicken dishes, you're, it's a lot more volatile as far as time and temperature. So that stuff, yeah, those are the things, but I guess to really, to really cook one meal for somebody like, or to prepare one meal for a panel of judges, I would have to go down with saying for me, my best preparation is going to be probably a a balsamic uh, charred, and toasted kind of Brussels sprout, uh, and then mm. toasted in some butter, added some seasonings, mm-hmm. and finished with a balsamic glaze. I would do a sliced baked potato. It's uh, where you, you slice three quarters of the way through the thing, lather it in butter, sea salt, pepper, throw it right in there, and it basically basically cuts into potato chips. I mean, they're a little different than that, but, okay. but it's, it's a cool yeah. concept. Really flavorful. Love that one. And then I would probably choose either a, a good 
really good quality aged strip steak, ribeye or a Delmonico. Delmonico is kind of the, the sleeper in there. That's been, that's become one of my favorite steaks. What about you? Um, hmm. I mean, I would say I would probably, okay. So I'll, I'll answer both parts. So the one that I would cook and then the one that I would like to learn how to do. So the one that I would cook first, I'd probably do um, some form of like a like a seafood pasta. Oh, yep. Right where you got like like multiple like scallops and shrimp in the pasta, so you get a good sear on the on the scallops and stuff, and then the the pasta with some. I, I'm not big. I mean, I like heavy, heavy cheese on some pastas, but like a lot of the ones, especially with seafood, you can't, you know, you don't want to do like heavy cheese or anything on them. So cook it in like some herbs and some olive oil and probably do like a white, like a white wine thing Mm -hmm. in there. So I would probably do something along those lines. You know, who has a, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. No, do it. It it just made me think a a really great episode around what you're talking about. That seafood, um, Alexander Mm -hmm. Volkanovsky, you ever seen his YouTube? He's mm-hmm. fanatical about cooking and he has a really okay. like, he's the fighter, the, the, the pound for pound yeah. guy. He has yeah. a phenomenal cooking show, but he has an episode. Really? It's, it's really, really good. I mean, like just on YouTube. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably one of my top five cooking shows that I watch. I mean, wow, it's, really? it's not like I okay. said, noted, you know, watch a ton of TV, but when I do, it's one of them. Yeah. But um, there's an episode, I'll send it to you, where they go out and they catch some fish. They're on the back of the boat and they're literally grilling lobster tails on the boat, slicing mm. them when they're about, you know, when they're medium rare to, to medium, slicing them down the middle mm-hmm. and then lathering them in butter and garlic and uh, some seasonings and then putting them back on the grill on the half shell and letting them mm. steam up through to finish. Bro, some of the stuff on that Dang. episode it made me want to just go get in the water and like spearfish and cook everything yeah. like <laughs> yeah, live the Danny Bolton existence, you know, seriously. <laughs> um, the one that I would, that I'd like to be able to learn. Um, it's, it's, I guess it's somewhat similar to what you said, but it, it's at the same time, completely different just from the primitive nature of it. It's similar, mm-hmm. but I really want to learn the covered pit. Like you bury like something a pig. with the, like, yeah, where it's it's buried under with coals and you just let it sit underground for however long. Well, we need like, to do what, that. If it's a pig, if it's something else, like I'd, I'd love to be able to do, try something like that and get good at that. That'd be fun. Let's make it happen. That We can, yeah, I can 100% it. make that happen. Let's do it, Let's man. do that. That'd be awesome. We'll get a, um, see if we can get a, a small group of the right people together and do that. That Cause that would be, That'd be that fun. would be epic. And that's, you know, to do something like that, you need a, a good group of the right people you know because mm-hmm. but yeah we'll we'll definitely make that happen in the in the future that one would be fun it made me think too when you when it wasn't until you said lobster because mm-hmm. I, I went back in time to answer the other question on what i would want to go eat and there's a couple of places in new england mm-hmm. that i want like a because i've never I've, I've, I've been back to new england just once mm-hmm when I was in middle school, we did like American heritage spring break trip mm-hmm. and did a couple of days and all the stops doing American history stuff, which was rad, but um, probably wouldn't be as fun to do that anymore. Uh, but anyways, so I've only been back there once, but I want like straight up Maine 
the best you could find lobster roll. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, think, I think that's one of these things. And this was another food thing I was going to ask you. Like, what, what do you think you could eat forever and never get tired of? Eggs. Or, you know what I mean? And like without – yeah, some form of eggs, I would probably say something like that. But I think I could eat like unlimited amounts of lobster rolls yeah. and like not <laughs> – even think twice about it. <laughs> empanadas. You know I mean? The empanadas I got in Argentina <laughs> yeah, that's a good were in one. Argentina were yep. absurd. Um, I did want to give some recognition because I thought about it. The two best restaurants uh, or the two best meals yeah. I've ever had in my life served to me. Um, one was in Tasmania at Rockwall. It's a very, <clears throat> it's a very, very tiny restaurant in a, a strip on the harbor. And it's just down. What's the name of it again? Rockwall, and it's just down from. It's one of the. It's one of Tasmania's most well-known events, but it's this huge market, and they open the strip up down the harbor, and it's just it's gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah. Um, the scenery is amazing. The interior of this is this restaurant is actually cut into a rock wall, so and it's all glass around the back, and in the back they cleared the wall back about eight feet from the back wall. So they have this beautiful rock garden down. They have some bonsai that grow there, uh, some small mm-hmm. bushes and stuff. But it's this beautiful black rock, and it's weeping all the time. There's like little water spouts that just trickle down it all the time. Wayne Hallett, um, I was there for the the Capo event. Me, Eric Lillibridge, Kirill Sarachev, uh, Richard Hawthorne, Sam Bird, uh, Garrett Griffin, uh, just on and on and on, a bunch of us guys. And we, we go to this place and, and Wayne was literally like anything you want. And they had made a special pork chop that week. That was, I'm telling you above any steak I've ever had above any meal I've ever had. Um, we did have a sliced and served filet mignon as an appetizer shared, but, and beef carpaccio, which was incredible. But the pork chop has blown away everything I've ever eaten in my life. Wow. The second uh, probably in the same category of like, it was a complete mind blowing experience in, uh, Portugal having paella and, uh, and, and like yeah. a real, like it's four and a half, five feet across kind of deal. Yep. And they're yep. just serving everybody that's around and there was no charge. This was, they were playing amazing music in this restaurant. This was a weight appetizer for you to get into the restaurant and bar. So they were just coming up and you've got like kind of a, about the size of your cell phone. If you were to have a little tray, they just put it in there. Mm-hmm. I would have paid an absurd amount of money for that. It was so That's cool. unbelievably good. And it had fresh shrimp and scallops and it had chicken and it had peas and, and you know, all the traditional stuff, mm-hmm. but you could smell it for like two miles. Like you could smell yeah. it cooking because it's saffron and yep. it's so, Oh my God, it was just, it's unreal. Those two meals, absurdly good like in like people don't deserve them (laughs) they were that good so for both of those Mm -hmm. the reason i I asked again about the restaurants because one of my extremely close family friends who's kind of like another uncle to me is from penguin okay yes and 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 so he would know immediately yeah gary baker he was the place so gary baker probably arguably one of the most uh popular australian rules football players ever and he's the guy that, that founded and owned the restaurant until not too long ago. He sold it to, like, they had established some predecessors 
years back and they just kind of groomed yeah. them into taking over the business. But yeah, if, if yeah. he knows Gary Baker at all, which he should, and he will, um, even if he doesn't know the restaurant, the tie of Gary Baker will, will make it stick and he'll understand it, but it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Like I, I think it will be well known by the, anyone there. And then the, uh, the other one, when you said paella, there's actually, it, it's, it surprises a lot of people, but in this area of, uh, Southwestern Idaho, mm-hmm. there's a giant specifically in Boise. Uh, there's a giant Basque population. Oh, hell yeah. And, uh, and so there's an actual section of, downtown Boise called the Basque block. Yep. And it's like three or four restaurants in a row. And it's like this cobblestone yep. walking only road between. And it's like, that's all that's there is two or three Basque restaurants and bars on either side. And when Molly and I were first married, yeah, we, yeah, it was right after we got married, her aunt and uncle who live up here also took us down to the Basque block one night and they did uh, a paella cooking class mm. and they had, and so we went in and like, there was, there was, uh, you know, they'd give you different wines and stuff to try throughout the night. And then they're, you know, they're teaching you how to do it. We're not actually making it yeah. ourselves. Cause it's like extremely complicated, For sure. you know, very specific. Yeah. Uh, but he's, teaching us how to do it as he's doing it. And then we got to eat basically as much of it as we want. And there's only like five or six other tables in there. So it was like a real intimate yeah. thing. And it was, like you said, I mean, it's unbelievable when you actually have yep. good pie. And they do this big Basque festival yep. every year where they do like a parade through downtown Boise. And it's, that's actually pretty cool. Like a lot of people don't know that that population is as strong as it is over here, but that's, it's, they have pretty cool little street, roped off in downtown Boise for it. I think the moral of this story is eat paella. Yeah. 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 And go eat a lot of food. I mean, that's all I'm thinking about this entire, I'm glad we did basically just a solid only food only (laughs) episode. We haven't really done one for a long time. I like to keep going and keep going. I know. I know. I think that was, those are all the ones I wanted to ask. Yeah. Cause there was a lot of food ones that had come up that for like a, a while now that I've been meaning to ask. What's um, your favorite pizza? What's your favorite toppings and how do you get it? I'm basic in that basic way. Basic bitch. All right. I am. I am. <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, there's, there's two examples I'll give of this because I judge pizzas and ice cream the same way. Okay. Like I, I judge it on how well you do the simplest thing sure. like that, that like I won't try many other options you have if you can't do two things, like one thing really well. Yeah, yeah. Right. So for ice cream, like, especially if it's a place that makes their own stuff, you know, like I like vanilla ice cream. So I will learn a lot about ice cream place if they have crappy vanilla sure. ice cream. Right. Yep. Uh, so I'll do that usually. And that's usually what I get. Like a first time place. I'll usually just get a cup of like either vanilla or French vanilla. Cause that's my favorite. Yep. Uh, but then just a regular slice of pepperoni, yep. like, and that's it. Like that tells me pretty much everything else I need to know about the pizza place. Yeah. So funny enough, the best, the I've had two that I would put at the top. One of them is actually here in Boise. And the other one I was in San Francisco uh, several years back and had a Chicago style mm. pizza. Yep. And, cause, and I've never had one in Chicago. I've never been to Chicago. Um, but the guy that opened the restaurant in San Francisco was, had a, had a restaurant in Chicago, moved out to San Francisco. So, I mean, it's like as authentic yeah. Chicago as it gets without actually being there. Um, and that one was crazy cause I'd never had like the deep dish Chicago style pie. Yep. Right. You know, and it's three inches thick 
and it literally sliced like a piece of pie and looks like a piece of pie. So that was up there. And then the other one was this place down here, which the whole reason I love this place in downtown Boise uh, called Front Door is what it's called is the crust alone. Like I, I've told the guy that is in there, like, dude, you just make bread out of this crust and I'll buy it weekly. Yeah. Like it's, it's so good. And I think they do a lot of their own uh, milling mm -hmm. of the, of the flour also. So there's like even more, more hands-on and more in-house stuff, which you can always taste a difference in those kind of things. Uh, but yeah, I would say that place here does a, crazy good pepperoni and he always talks about it and he and i said dude how is this so good and he goes it's these crusts man and that's how he like talks and like pulls his hands he goes it's these crusts man yeah. it's all about the crust <laughs> and i'm like dude you you nailed it then. yeah so those would be my two yeah what about you so chicago style i gotta give props to lou malnati's i had a pretty a pretty exceptional experience there whenever i was up there on that particular trip where i talked about going to al capone's and the cubs game and whatnot but I got to meet uh, one of the guys in the family that, that runs the restaurant and got to go behind the scenes a little bit and see how they do things. And they knocked it out of the park for me. Like that, that whole experience and like seeing the volume and the way that they manage the volume of business that they do, how they do their shipping process, uh, just a super cool experience. I have had Lou Malnati's before and since. That was not as good as the one that I had uh, that particular night. But, it you know, it was made by the guy who's like, his name is not on the building, but he's like invested mm -hmm. in this. So he was like, this is how at its best it's done. That was amazing. Um, yeah. There was a place in, uh, in Connecticut. I was up there with Vinny DiCenzo. He's a bench press guy, bench 600 pounds at 242, 275, or I'm sorry, 275, 308, and uh, super heavyweight raw. I think he's the only guy to ever do it in three weight classes. And now he's like 220 yeah. pounds jacked as hell and he's over 50 but me him and swede burns went to uh went to do a seminar up there and and vinny lives in that area so he was like you got to go to this pizza place and i'm embarrassed as hell that i don't remember the name of it right this second i was looking but we go in and get a just a plain pepperoni and uh, banana pepper and then the other one was the the clams bacon and white pizza Oh. Dude, I had no idea. I mean, I had that. no idea what was coming down my way when that came out. <laughs> changed my world, like changed my concept of what pizza was. Both of them, they were both that good. Like mm -hmm. pepperoni and banana peppers has been a staple of mine for a long time. Uh, I've, in the last few years, I've added bacon, so it's pepperoni, bacon, banana peppers is my staple. Mm -hmm. But man, that that clam and bacon on the white, Oof. it was. What was the white sauce? It was like a, it was like an Alfredo cheese, but it was, it was more, it was yeah. like a bechamel almost. It was like yep. super, super, mm -hmm. I don't want to describe it in a way that makes it sound like it was too much. Everything yep. was perfectly balanced mm. and it was like, it wasn't garlic like minced. It was like shaved garlic on the top and then, to and then the toasted on top of it. You know, like, yep. dude, it was insane. Um, and the crust, like when you bit in it, it was like a potato chip at the beginning, like all the way to the end. And where the crust rolled over, potato chip on the bottom and like bagel on the side. You know, that that soft bite, you yeah. know, with, with yeah. the burnt on the top. That was like, it was yep. amazing. I'll, I'm going to say something that'll probably get some people 
guess depending on where you live, it's probably very location dependent. I don't get bagels. You don't? I, so, I don't get them. So, like people will freak out about bagels <coughs> and stuff. And it's just like, I don't, I, maybe it's because I've never really had a great one. Yeah. But like I've, there's a there's a place that does like bagel sandwiches right here and they do a pretty good breakfast mm-hmm. one. And that's been pretty good, but like I don't, I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, oh, I mean over <laughs> like over a good piece of bread, I don't see any difference really. Um, yeah, I like some everything bagels, but there's everything bread, so you know yeah. it's I yeah. I don't get too worked up about it. That Purdy's place that I go to, really cool coffee shop. Um, I'm trying to, I I will admit, as much as I make my own coffee very precisely at home. Uh, because of my time on the road, I end up being a Starbucks whore and I hate that because I hate that company. Um, but they do have pretty consistently good coffee for what I get. Um, but when I'm, when I'm local, I definitely try to go to Purdy's and they make their bagels, they make their coffee or they have, you know, their own blends of coffee and things. So that one's convenience. And also it's like, it's literally 13 feet from the gym. So the blueberry yeah. bagel and some cream cheese with a, with a cortado, which is that's my favorite. The Cubanos, the Cuban coffees. Yep, yeah, yep. that's oh. the jam right there for me. Cafecito. So there's another restaurant. Anybody in uh, anybody in Chattanooga? I think it's called Embargo Sixty One. I think is the name of it. It's a Cuban place, bro. It's a great name for a Cuban. That place, place <laughs> is so good. Like they're Cuban yeah. sandwiches. They do oxtail, they do everything. But um, I went in there, and the last time that I had real Cuban coffee, I was in Miami. Um, I was down there doing a seminar. Comes in the little paper cups. And I didn't know what it was, but they give you like the old school ketchup things that you you had, like McDonald's. You fill them up. Um, They gave you four of those with like a small solo cup. And the deal was you were supposed to take it to work and pass out the, the shots because like one shot yeah, was, I was all you say, You don't take four of them. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, dude, the Coke in Miami couldn't have touched this coffee. I'm telling you, it could not. I was like jittering and shaking and wired up. But that place embargo, they did the same thing, same presentation. And it was yep. exactly what I wanted. From, awesome. But that place from food to coffee was perfect. Chattanooga, embargo 61 or something like that. But embargo will get you there. Coffee's an interesting one. We could do a whole episode just about we coffee. We should do think, a whole episode about coffee. That's that's one that I I've told you about a lot and showed you a lot. I I've gone down some some rabbit holes of stuff with a lot of like what we're talking about with cooking but with coffee. And I didn't really anticipate that about myself with coffee particularly because being a coffee snob, yeah. like I get I can tell the difference in good and great coffee. But like the prep of it and wanting to get all the things and like going the different ways of espresso yeah. and all these different things. Like I never was like, that's cool, but whatever. And I'm like, dude, I'm in. Yeah. Like it's awesome. <laughs> I got one of those um, those Keurig deals. It's kind of like the all-in-one. It makes it froths and does all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, probably still going to make them pour over. That's, that's yeah. I you know, I yeah. wish I had something because I actually do kind of frost some steamed milk and pour over it, um, pour the coffee over that, which I really like. Um, You know, it's kind of foo-foo, but, you know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I will drink the blackest cup of coffee you've ever seen some days, and then other days, you know, I just like the other. But I really do enjoy the preciseness of the the Black Rifle system, the the education that they put out about it. 
that's something that I think a lot of people miss about their company. I, I like their coffees. I like the range and varieties of their coffees, but um, it was more the process that really the 16 to one ratio, getting the exact temperature of the water at 207 degrees is what I was told 205 to 207. So you don't scorch the grounds, you get the most flavor. What I noticed difference in just a straight black cup of coffee from that or something like the Keurig or God forbid the old drip coffees. It's like the mouthfeel, the, the richness and texture from the pour over mm-hmm. when done right is so much. It's, it's almost like um, the difference between water and, and a Coke, like the, the thickness of the, the feel, yeah. you know, um, I really like that. I don't like brown water, you know, like that's, yeah, that's my biggest thing is like, if you're just dying the water brown and it has no flavor, has no feel texture to it, I'm out. Yeah. And then getting dialed in on just like a single espresso yeah. only, like then you're messing with grind size and, uh, and how, and how thick or how tight you tamp it down and you're like timing it, you know, yeah. cause there's like all the, if it's coming out faster in, you know, a certain amount of time, you know, they say, depending on the size of the thing, the thing that I had always seen was if say you have a, a basket in your, I can't remember the name of the wand thing or whatever. Now, um, it's going to bother me. <laughs> uh, say it's like 18 grams yeah. of coffee that you put in. You're supposed to be able to get double that in grams in 30 seconds. Oh uh, yeah. And if it's, if it's fa- in actual coffee coming out in 30 seconds, it's supposed to take around between 28 to 31 seconds, yeah. right? If it's faster than that, then it's not tamped fat, like tight enough yeah. and you're channeling too much. If it's slower than that, then you've tamped it too hard and you're not actually pulling it through the middle of the, through the middle of the grounds yeah. in the thing. And so it's like, there's a lot and I didn't expect to want to be into it that much, but I'm like, I, I well, didn't. that's the same way too. Like when you do the pour over the way that I do it, um, there's actually a unique formation that you look for in the beans or in the grounds to yeah. know that you're pouring it correctly. And, um, you kind of want that vacuum down the middle, what you're talking about. You kind of want the Canyon around the sides and you want it to look like the earth fell in between the two canyons or the, the cir- yeah. circle of Canyon. Yep. And, yep. um, that's what you're looking for. So that's why I pour in three stages. So for me, I, right now, my favorite go-to is the cafe Bustello, the espresso blend. I do 15 grams of that. I do 240 grams of water at 207 degrees and I do three pours. I go hundred grams on my first pour, let that settle and, and get going. And then I go 170, 240 and that's my finish. Yeah. So you get three waves of that. And that usually puts the coffee like, cause it's the same thing. You're, you're running against time because if you take too long, um, it actually over, uh, you get too strong of a yeah. coffee and it yep. doesn't, uh, it's not warm. So you're looking for like that 180 to 185, drinkable level you know yep. it's, it's piping hot yep so it's interesting how you can get into some of these rabbit holes but i enjoy it like <laughs> when i when i have a cup of coffee that i make knowing exactly how i like it i mean it's like you can't buy that you know yeah seriously so i think that's a good place to wrap it for today wrap it up. i'm hungry and i want to go make some coffee uh, so same exact same thought here <laughs> Uh, all, right. all right, brother. We'll cut it there. Thanks, guys. I really Thanks, appreciate guys. everything. And hey, sign up for the email list. Please do that. And it's on the link in the Instagram now. Yeah. That's the link in the bio. Just go straight there and just sign up. Yep. It'll be, we'll have some stuff coming out soon, but that's where you can stay up to date on all of it. Rock on. <laughs>